um, you know, Sergeant Berriman was a, 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 a good guy. It's just he had lost patience with me. He didn't have the kind of stick to itiveness, I guess, that it takes to kind of deal with a, a a young black man at that point where I was, you know, one of I was a, one of a few, but not having had a, a, a male in my life to kind of tell me, you know, um, con, you know, don't dip into your emotions. Don't make that the first pot you dip into, you know? Um, yeah, he had just kind of said, well, I mean, you know, okay, all right. And, you know, Sergeant Carswell was, was basically firm but but fair and, dare I say, um, loving, you know, to, 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 to do what he did. Yeah. Yeah, I had a... Ironically enough, it was the first black male teacher I ever had. It was in Eagles Landing Middle School right after I moved here with my family around like, uh, I think, 98. Uh, Mr. Pittman, yeah, he provided a, a damn good example of how to carry yourself and how to to walk through a life of grace because the, when the dude came to work, he didn't slack. I mean, this dude was sharp from head to toe, just business suits every time, Uh, really, really good um, footwear to match the suit, ties. I mean, he was basically dressed to the nines. He represented himself well, and he had a certain level of expectation for the young black men in the school as well, too, myself included, because, you know, I'm black. So, hey, he's looking at me like... Because uh, I was, like, super nerdy back then. I'm still nerdy, but not as nerdy as I was back then. But but nonetheless, <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't even own a pair of designer jeans, man. I'm over here in the Bugle Boy section. Um, asked my mom to give some of the baggy jeans or whatever. But, but you know, that, that was me. Um, and I think deep down, he held everybody that, that like you said, that same expectation. Uh, especially whenever you're black. Um because uh, for a minute my grades were were on a downfall mm. they were on a you know negative slope if you will and uh he along with the other teachers there uh, you know they noticed the work that I was putting in and they worked with me and ironically enough that was probably the first official award I ever got in my life I mean it was a school award but you know it was a plaque that was the first plaque I'd ever gotten it was I've still got the plaque to this day but uh, the mm-hmm. plaque was for most improved student out of the entire uh, let's just call it a pod if you will because everybody has like a, uh, your homeroom teams or whatever mm-hmm. uh, but our pod consisted of all the homerooms put together and um yeah, there was a lot of kids in there that could have easily gotten that. But the fact that I got most improved student, I mean, that made me believe, uh, especially in myself, because uh, I was born and raised in Texas around uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, Euless, Texas, to be exact. So, you know, the black population, at least where I lived at, was at least, I don't know, three, if you're counting kids. Wow. Yeah, so you had like... And that's including my family, um, if I'm remembering right. Because uh, no, Euless, we didn't have any black families nearby, so I didn't get 
other than my father, there was no positive black role model there. Now, granted, there was positive male uh, figures in my life early Mm -hmm. on, but there wasn't a positive black role model. Uh, I didn't see more black people until we moved from Euless, Texas to Keller, Texas. And that wasn't until uh, we called it intermediate school, but it's technically like middle school. Middle school. Yeah. Um, like right, I know I just spoke on middle school in Georgia, but that would that was eighth grade. Intermediate was like uh, what seventh, sixth, seventh grade. I think that's uh, you know obviously I was in seventh grade before it moved. So um, that's when I saw at least maybe one or two more black kids. And what really sucked was the fact that there's only black one black girl in the school. So you know. <laughs> We rolling over here like, who going to date? I want to date a friend. Yeah, I wasn't even in the running because, like I said, I was a nerdy kid. But uh, <laughs> um, Yeah, jo- join the club. Join the club. <laughs> uh, nerdy then, still. I still consider myself pretty nerdy now. Um, you know, it's funny. So going, thinking about positive black real rule models, as far as teachers, like I said, I, I, I had quite a few. Now, like when I kind of sat down and started reflecting when you brought up the question, like I had quite a few. Like, you know, my my school experience was uh, well similar to it's like in the beginning. So when I was in uh, probably like K through five, it's predominantly white school in, in, in town I live in. So I, I grew up down here in Fairburn, Georgia. And, um, you know, I. And I and, and, and Fairburn was still very much Georgia at the time. Like a lot of people come to Atlanta. It's like, oh, Georgia's crazy. It's like, no, you've been to Atlanta. You haven't been to Georgia. No, I lived in Georgia at the time. Right. Right. So, right. So, I mean, so different that, I mean, they still had Klan parades that would happen in, you know, the middle of town, you know, when we moved down there. So, and like mm-hmm. I said, I'm, I, you know, I'm only 38. So, you know, roll that back you know, however many years it puts you in kindergarten, first grade. And that ain't that long ago. But I digress. So. Going to there, (laughs) yeah. So, so just thinking about uh, black male role models. I mean, I had a lot in my family. You know, of course, I talked about my grandfather, my father. um, You know, uh, my uncles, my uncle, Uncle Junior, my uncle Donald. um, You had uncle, you had Uncle Junior too. Yeah, I had Uncle Junior. (laughs) Yep, James, James Reed Junior. My uncle. Everybody had Uncle Junior. Yeah, yeah. Uh, My both my uncle Donalds, one on my mom's side, one on my dad's side. you know, my godfather, Jacob, I can't get him. Like, he was, yeah, he's always been, like, if you talk about, like, outside of, like, immediate family, the male in my life, black male life that, like, just always, like, showed me love and positive affirmation would be my, my godfather, Jacob. Mm-hmm. Like, he's always been that guy. Um, but, I mean, like, with, with my teachers, I mean, gosh, you had, you had Coach Stevenson, uh, in, in middle school, I had Mr. Brown, so he was a substitute teacher, and I had him at different points all throughout K through 12. Um, so he kind of, you know, saw me grow up. Uh, he was really cool. He was a retired army, um, and he'd always still tell his army stories and, you know, have a have an army story he could relate to whatever assignment or classwork or, you know, subject that we were studying. So that was that was usually was a great time whenever he he was our substitute teacher. I had uh, Coach McCray. Uh, he was a he was a basketball coach, but he was also uh, his background was he had a graduate degree in biology, so he taught the uh, honors and AP biology classes. Um, so I took the honors class. I wasn't an AP, but I was in honors biology. 
Uh, I had uh, uh, Mr. Gilmore. Uh, he was my uh, algebra two teacher. Um, he was so cool. He was this, you know, this kind of like a short, real skinny guy. This real thick Southern drawl. Talk slowly, but don't let it fool you though, because he would like he'd have them zingers, boy. Like if you're, you know, <laughs> he could. He would say it slow, but it would hit you and be like, ooh, you know, so people try to make crack jokes or whatever. And he's like, no, he'd just throw it right back. And he was, you know, uh, love is to give more. There's Mr. Cotton, uh, AP history teacher. Uh, There was Brother Brown, who was a physical science teacher. And he was, you know, I guess he was, now I can reflect down to like he was a Pan-Africanist because, I mean, he used to always Mm -hmm. talk about you know, uh, black people from the other's culture, you know, you come in where the dashikis hit the onks and stuff. And this is like, that was what, ninth grade, I want to say. And then, uh, gosh, I, the one more teacher, I, I can't think of his name right now. I can see his face. Tall, lanky guy. He was the English teacher. He just had, you know, he, he was one of those guys, like he really enjoyed the subject English. Like he always had like all these different words. Like he could just, he was just so eloquent you know, always had just just great grasp of the English language and vocabulary. And that, that always really impressed me because he just always had like these new words for things that were like just just to such the most mundane things that he could describe in just like this very eloquent and exciting way. Um, and I mean, all of them, like they just, you know, they were, you know, it was like having a bunch of extended, you know, uncles and big brothers. They really, they really took their their job seriously and really, really cared for all of us. But especially looked out for the the, the black boys in the school and stuff. So, um, really appreciated them. Um, I, like I said, just thinking about it from I was like, man, that was a really, really great experience. Those some really, really great men. Some some of them I still keep in contact with, like you know, Facebook and. We'll chat others. I don't know what what happened to them. I hope they're doing well because yeah. um, they definitely deserve it. They 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 did their job in space, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I I had a couple of uncles like that. Uh, one of them was my uncle Kenny on my dad's side. He is no such thing as a former Marine, but you know he <laughs> he was a Marine, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, I know back then they called him drill sergeants. I don't, I don't know the, the official term for for what they are now, but he was a drill sergeant. Now, based on what you see on TV or the movies, you know, you see a drill sergeant, you're like, Ugh! but the mm-hmm. funny thing is, if he was like that, you would never know because around his friends and his family, he was just this really cool, chilled, laid back guy. Um, he even had us doing like small military missions with, uh, uh, as children. You know, we had to go uh, recover a quote unquote missile or a secret weapon, but it was actually, uh, I think it was a case that uh, held a mortar or something. So it was like empty, but basically it's like a little mm-hmm. shell case. And we had to go through trip wires and all this other stuff. He had us going camping. He's over there talking about, uh, and this is at, at like, Seven eight o'clock at night, he's talking about get let your night vision set in, and I'm <laughs> over here because my vision sucks. If I don't have my glasses on, I need to call the Uber or a, a Lyft or whatever because I'm not going anywhere. 
So I'm walking through the woods with these big old Coke bottle glasses trying to let my night vision set in. And it wasn't working, but nonetheless, I still have fun. Uh, my uncle Malcolm was the same way. He was just real chill and, you know, had a good head on his shoulders. But when it comes to um, other teachers, Bernard C. Martin, he almost instantly became my mentor. And, and to this day, I still consider him my mentor, even though he uh, proclaimed uh, the student has now become the teacher, quote unquote. But it, there's always it always seems like there's something I can learn from him. And Bernard has, uh, he's got that Malcolm X energy, you know, where somebody tells him something that he can't do. He's like, oh, is that right? And then he'll go and prove him wrong. Um, but what was ultimately um, humbling about the gentleman was the fact that, I don't know if it was day number one or just a little bit later on down the class, because uh, I took... Um, uh, God, what class was it? It was a, a, a tech class because I was going for a tech degree. I think it was like a, a information technology class. He looked at the entire classroom and we had like the typical college setup where you had different tables going up uh, in higher rows as they ascended. So it was almost like an auditorium, if you will. Um, but he looked at everybody and he said, you are the best and brightest the world has to offer. Do you know what kind of energy jolt of motivation that gives a young black man whenever he hears that? It, it's it's like I don't want to sound blasphemous, but it's almost like like God energy, you know? Like it gives you faith in yourself, and it it uh, gets rid of all those hardships. Because one thing I didn't mention was uh, when I was in Texas. Now, granted, Douglas, you probably had it worse than me, but um, I dealt with a lot of racism. Uh, you know, you're around people one minute and you think they're your friend that all of a sudden they're throwing the N-word freely and you're over here like, yeah, this ain't going to work out. So you didn't have a whole lot of positive uh, people around you. So to hear something like that, something that your own father tells you repeatedly, but you hear another person who shares your same reflection say something exactly like what your father would say, dude, I carry even now. I carry that with me. That is like the main thing that will get me up off of my ass and keep pushing forward no matter what happens. And I've been through a lot and I'm still going. It doesn't matter if I'm uh, hitting the bedrock and there's nowhere else for me to go as far as down. The only way I can go is up. And that is my rocket fuel right there. You're the best and brightest the world has to offer. So I still continue to push on and that still continues to motivate me.